Tech Fan number four with David Cohen, Tim Robertson, and BJ Bat. You'll find out who he is in a minute if you don't already know. It's Tech Fan number four. I'm the host, Tim Robertson. Of course, that music is from Kevin Reeves. Kevin did the original MyMac podcast music back in 2005, still being used on the MyMac podcast. So when it came time to do the new show, there was only one person I had to go with, and that was Kevin Reeves. And of course, my first co-host on episode one, David Cohen, came back for episode three, and he's here again. Hey, David. Hey, how are you doing? Starting to make this a regular thing, huh? Yeah, absolutely. You know, one of the things, David, that was always cool about doing the MyMac podcast was the community of listeners that we had built up over the years. People who, you know, episode after episode was sending in feedback. They were coming to Macworld. Um, They became part of the MyMac family themselves, even though they weren't on the show very often. They were still part of that family of um, community, you know. And we've we've got one of them with us, probably our favorite one, BJ Bat. BJ, what's going on? Hello. Hi, Tim. Hi, DC. You know, it, it's cool that you're here, man, the beginning of Tech Fan, and BJ's already on. It took you over 100 episodes last time. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you know, um, last week I got all the times wrong. I mean, you Yes, said, you I said didn't what... say who it was, did I? I never mentioned no, the name. No, I know. I'm, I'm, so, I'm so sorry about that. It was all David Cohen's fault. He was... Um, <laughs> He, of course, it, of course, it was. Yeah, it, everything's always my fault. Well, I blame him for everything. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like it's 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 like the old Mac uh, Mac uh, my Mac clique back again. It's uh, it is Macworld oh eight all over again. Absolutely, but you know, when you have a, a good thing, why change it, right? This is it. Yeah, why? So uh, I have got a couple emails now, and in fact, David, uh, you mentioned this to me. OWC Radio has continued without me, and I think that's fantastic. I really wanted OWC, after I left that company, uh, to become the COO of Mac Specialist in Chicago. Uh, I was really hoping that they would continue OWC Radio because, you know, I put a lot of time and effort building that show up, uh, growing yeah. the audience beyond just the MyMac listeners that had followed me over. And it was there. The, the audience was there. I loved doing the show. I was sad to leave because, you know, what I do, 42 episodes? Yeah. Something like that, yeah. I, I was on the main stage at the Macworld Expo doing that show. So it was a very, while I didn't own the show, uh, it was still very personal to me. And so I was kind of sad to leave it because my fear was that it would just kind of linger and die. Thankfully, the guys at OWC, uh, internally, Grant, Michael, um, those guys, uh, Chris, another Michael, <laughs> two Michaels, they picked up the ball, David, and they're running with it. And, of course, they had their first episode. Um, while the content was great, the audio needs a lot of work. But this was the first time that they sat down and podcasted without, you know, a professional podcaster there to kind of oversee the recordings and the levels and stuff like that. But once they get those kinks yeah. worked out, I think it's going to be great. Well, they're, they're going to take it – sounds like they're going to take it in a slightly different direction than you. And, uh, you know, good luck to them. Let's see how it goes. I, you know, and I, I think you have to because yeah. – not to say that I was anything special, but you can't do somebody else's show and do their show. You know what I mean? 
Yeah. You know, you can't – if you're going to take over a show that's established, you have to make it your own. And if you don't, it's going to fail. And yeah. that that was kind of the problem with the MyMac podcast when I first left, David, and it was you and Guy. You guys are basically running it the same way it had been run, but there was a different dynamic and it just didn't work as well. No, and you, you, like you say, the thing has to find a, a new voice with the with the new people, and that that takes a little bit of time. So yep. I'm sure, uh, I'm sure once they get the technical kinks worked out and um, start being able to do that, then uh, then it will take off. You know, I it, quite honestly, people were sending me emails. What do you think? And you know, like I'm, I was going to come back with, oh, how dare they? <laughs> <laughs> I, and I sent everyone the same message. I think it's great. I I hope they succeed, and I hope they get better at it. The hardest part, though. Um, and, and BJ, you could probably attest to this, is not doing it once, not doing it twice. It's doing it for the 350th time or even the 15th time. Well, it's difficult, isn't it? It's, it's consistency. Yeah. yeah if, if, you see, like most, most things, like even if you go to a restaurant, the good restaurants are the ones that are consistent with everything they do uh, over a period of time. Whereas it's the same thing goes for podcasts, TV shows. You know, you get some TV shows that start off good and then they just are not good consistently and then, then they're really good. They, they, they're the ones that people tend not to watch, but the ones that people do watch and things that people listen to are the things that are consistently good. And um, I think they love your voice as well. That's the thing. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> You know, one of the consistencies in technology is companies that always seem to produce quality content. I I would point at Sony and say, you know, Sony's products for, what, 40 years now at least in consumer electronics have consistently been good. It's been good stuff. Well, let me me get my – I've got an axe to grind with them. I've got one of their telephones. I've got an X10. The hardware is fantastic. It's great. But the software lets the whole thing down. Yeah, Uh, that's what it's about too, isn't it? Yeah, when Sony get it right, they get it right spectacularly. Like, um, for example, their TVs, very good. The PlayStation product, amazing product. Um, their Vio computers, brilliant. But I think, I think the telephone market is, is one place that they um, have neglected, and I think uh, they're going to struggle if they carry on this way with that. But I don't think that's completely them. That's a partnership they have with Ericsson. Didn't they, didn't they buy Ericsson? Yeah, but it's still the same people there. It was Sony Ericsson. Yeah, um, I, 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 one of the problems I've always had with Sony products is the the hardware has always been pretty well engineered, but often you find the user interface stuff is nowhere near as good. Um, and I think one of the things that one of our favorite companies, Apple, often gets right is actually getting the balance of the software and the hardware right. Uh, and um, I think that's that's... I think that's probably. Are you still there, David, or do we lose you completely? Yeah. See what happened there, BJ. We lost him. Nope, there he is. I think. I think it's the. I think it's the Microsoft Gestapo has ruined it for David. Yes, we lost you there. Have, at I, the, have, the I, last got, 10 have I got full bandwidth? Okay, I'm going to drop out a minute and try and come back on a different connection. Okay. Okay. See you shortly, David. So let's continue this talk with you and me, BJ, because mm. before we went live, you were telling me about your Android phone. That you're yeah. happy and not so happy at the same time. Yeah, I think I think as a platform, Android, they've got something there that is very special. They're not re- developers and people that want to add 
to the uniqueness of the platform, where Apple has got this all-encompassing idea where they want to be the overlord of everything. But isn't that good as far as a consumer user experience? Because when you control the software and the hardware, you know if it's going to work correctly or not, whereas what Google is doing is providing software for multiple platforms as far as different telephones and probably soon enough tablet-type devices, but they don't have any quality control over the hardware. No, but Tim, the thing is, it's it's with 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 the software. It's it's a it's a community based thing, isn't it? Where the community are working to make software that sometimes is is a bit buggy, but because it's a community based thing, they they find that a lot of people knuckle together and and help iron out the chinks. And as a result of that, they've got some pretty innovative stuff out there. I mean, how did it work for Linux, by the way? Oh yeah, no one uses it. you you see what i mean i i like the idea of community based and everyone works together but unfortunately what what tends to happen is you'll get certain partners in any kind of relationship that they're really self-serving they really want to push this this and this because Mm -hmm. that helps their core business and they don't really give a rat's butt about anything else so that's what they concentrate on no but other than that i think I, i think that the android um operating system is is a really really good operating system. I mean, I have some issues about the way that some of these applications and Google, as well, uh, collect information about you and what you're doing and where you've been. I think there is there, there are certainly issues there that have to be addressed. I I think I think Google is becoming a little bit um, big brotherish. Too, not just big brotherish, intrusive in most aspects of your of your. Uh, online life and yeah, you almost know- can't be online anymore without dealing with google in one way or another it is it's 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 very 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 uh it's it's almost it's almost like a dictatorship they want to know everything about you where you're going and these phones even if the gps is turned off they report back to google using cell tower information where you've been and i'm not comfortable with that you know so I, what's I don't know the alternative Apple- you see, it's 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 a funny situation because you want you can't you can't have it both ways. Right, people you can't want, you can't people, unplug. No, people want people want to use location-based services and all these apps like Foursquare and all this other stuff, and 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 they want to publish where they've been themselves and stuff. But, but they want to be they, in control of it when it. They does want it. to be in control of it. Yeah, but we don't know where one where it the the line at which it becomes unacceptable is very very. Um, muddy it's it's not it's, it's not easy to figure out where the line is and whether you've crossed it or not right and you know here's the thing my life is pretty much an open book online mm. um so i'm not so worried about yeah, privacy I, I, I and, the sex tape. yeah yeah well it's 14.99 you can download it and, but you know that, that's a whole different discussion a different podcast i'm on but no it's it's one of those things that i'm not so concerned about it but my 15 year old and 16 year old daughter yeah that is a concern for me if you know how you remember at that age, you'd always have those crazy guys that you knew that would be just completely obsessed with a girl. Nowadays, yeah. they could become the victims of you know stalking and and stuff like that because the technology allows other people to track their movements. Especially now, you've got nine, ten, eleven year olds that are on Twitter and on Facebook, and and these things give away where they are and what they're doing and who they're with. I mean, I think there's certainly certainly concerns that that have been raised. My uh, 15-year-old, she was 13. No, she was 14 at the time. 
I was I just happened to be looking at Facebook and I saw a post from her from literally 30 seconds before that said I'm I'm bored mm-hmm. call me and she put her cell phone number on Facebook. So yeah. I marched my butt right up them stairs and said you need to delete that right now and if I ever see it again you don't get your laptop or your cell phone for a month. And then of course I had to explain to her later why that was the case. I mean even then I you know you can't police the children all the time and that's the thing i think i th- i think i think certain i think certain things have to be put in place where these sites police the children and kids that are using them because parents can't be can't can't be looking over what the kids are doing all the time because they could be posting these things when they're not around you or when they're with their friends or when they're at school and especially now that all the cell phones and all the laptops and they all are built to integrate into this location-based social media kind of uh, virtual friend thing it's it's scary i mean the amount of i mean recently here in the news we no end of uh uh, situations where people have uh, found friends on Facebook and women have been killed and what have you. Those are probably, you know, such a small percentage of the population that uses a site like or a place like Facebook. But it's still that doesn't mean it's it's not a real problem. By the same token, a, a, a website like Facebook. I love Facebook. Don't get me wrong. And to be honest with you, I don't think I could live without Facebook. If 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 I to be honest, perfectly honest, to lay the cards on the table, I think I probably spend more time in my virtual Facebook world than I do in the actual real world, you know. But, you know, a lot of people say that and they make it sound like it's a bad thing. I don't think necessarily it is a bad thing. I have had discussions with people who say, everybody just needs to unplug, man, get back to nature. Yeah, well, well we you unplugged know, we could the other day when their servers went down. <laughs> what happened then? Every, people, were, people didn't know what they were doing. They were all in a state of inertia. You were like zombies walking up and down. But The amount of people I saw smashing, trying to smash their cell phones. <laughs> you know, just look out the window and there's a half a dozen people. I think like, God, this is ridiculous. But that's, that's the initial reaction, though. Yeah. I mean, after a week, you're not going to see that. People will accept that it's gone and they'll just go do something else. Yeah, we Twitter users are used to this overcapacity thing, aren't we? You know, I've uh, done it. You know, I don't, I don't use Twitter as much as I used to, nor Facebook, really, because I've just been really busy. But yeah, you, you, you're traveling. Uh, you, you're on the road a lot now, now, aren't you, now that you've pursued this new venture of yours? I mean, I'm surprised you're not so connected because you've got an iPhone. An iPhone seamlessly integrates with all this stuff. Well, the drive is three hours, and that's in good traffic. So... It's against the law in Michigan to text while driving, and I don't like to do it anyways. Even if it wasn't against the law, I just think it's a really poor idea. I know. I can, be, I can attest to that. I mean, I've put a car in a ditch before now, sending SMS messages. But when you're, you're running a company, you don't have a whole lot of time to do the frivolous stuff. Now, on the other hand... This is, tr- this is true. I have decided with our retail staff in the Chicago location... To start using Facebook. And I, I literally told them, I don't even care what you're posting as long as it's, you know, not inappropriate or, you know, you got to use your head basically. And, mm. and like they, they posted video of um, Wozniak on that television show. What was that? The uh, uh, Big Bang Dance. Theory. Oh, yeah. I spoke to Steve last night. Did you? Yeah. He, he, he says that when I'm in, in L.A. next, uh, he's going to take me on the show. You know, here's the, the, here's the, the funny. producers are big, big mates of his. Here's the funny thing. People probably listening thinks that you're joking. 
<laughs> we, we know that you're not. <laughs> no. Uh, no, you can email me, be at was.org. <laughs> there you go. That's B-E-E, by the way. Yeah. B-E-E. No, B-E-E let it, it was. Let it was, be. Was yeah. No, I spoke to him. I spoke, I spoke to him for probably an hour and a half yesterday. Um, he was going He was going on about is because I was. I sent him an email. Well, don't uh, don't get too personal. We don't want to put his business out there. No, we we um. I sent him an email about this the founder of Sedgway that went off the edge of the cliff. Yeah. And and I phoned him and he and, and my number must have come up on his phone and the first thing he says is I've not gone off a cliff despite what you <laughs> think in your email. <laughs> I, I th- that's a horrible story. That and if they don't know it out there listening, the guy who created the Segway. Which, actually, that's not his big claim to fame. It may be in the public's eye, but uh, what he's done with wheelchairs and gyroscopes is much more significant. Uh, but he was riding a Segway, and he literally rode off a cliff. Was it an accident, or was it a suicide, or was he suicided? What happened? I, I don't think they figured it out yet. Yeah. What Welcome happened? back, by the way, David. Hey, David. Hey. Um, getting back to the Facebook question, though, what I was explaining is that I've put the retail staff to the task of updating the Mac Specialist, which is the name of the company. If you, listening to this, want a friend, Mac Specialist, check them out on Facebook, and we'll friend you back and have a great friend time. Um, And I do post occasionally on the Facebook page for Mac Specialist, but not usually. Um, The reason is, BJ, is it's A, free, and B, it's great for marketing, so when you yeah. go to Facebook, what do you do? You look at your page with your friends' activities, and you might hit the more button once or twice at the bottom. You just kind of get caught up, and then you move on with your day, right? The you'll other good you'll thing do that two or three times a day, most the people. Other good, the other good thing is viral. Yes. Because when you, when you join, your friends will see that you, you, you're a friend with this person, and they'll join. And all of a sudden, before you know it, you've got all these mutual friends. Right. And they, they, then all these people will will be friends with your uh, thing and whenever they look at their news feed they'll always you know first thing they'll see is what what you guys and and it's great from a marketing perspective absolutely i don't even care if they're reading what we're doing it basically puts our name on their facebook page so the next time you're thinking about buying a new mac or an ipad or you need service for that older machine that's out of warranty and apple doesn't want anything to do with it we're the first place you think of and that's yeah, why is, it comes in handy. And, and it's free, and it doesn't cost anything. No, face, Facebook has got a lot of interesting applications, and to be fair, that's probably one of them. And I don't think they enough companies, it. you know, a lot of companies sign up for it, and they have a presence, but they don't do anything with it. No, and a lot of people tried the same thing with Twitter, but it didn't work no. uh, as quite as well as it does with Facebook. Well, you have to put a name and a face behind the company that's in charge mm. of the social media. So if you're posting to Twitter, it can't just be, hey, we've got a sale this week. Hey, by the way, we've got a sale this week. It can't be the same message over and over. No, you've got to have some sort of personality. It's right. very difficult with Twitter and 140 characters. And that's what that. I told the staff, the, the people that I put like in charge spam. of it. Yeah, exactly. And people will stop following you or they'll hide you, which is the same thing. So what I've told them is, you know, this is you. This is you posting. It's not you for Mac specialists. This is you posting so they'll take a picture of there was a, a car parked out in front of the shop one day and it said mac men and he went and took a picture of the car with that you know a personalized license plate posted on facebook that was cool um he found he got into 
watching some music videos or something a couple weeks ago, and he was posting those up there. That was great. I don't really care what the content is, again, as long as it's not inappropriate or anything like that or offensive, but that's how you use it, and that's how you start making friends, and eventually when they need to have some repairs done, they need to have training. Maybe you're a big business and you want to deal with run your entire business off the Mac. We can do that. I mean, we do a lot of things that Apple doesn't do, business-to-business, in-home training, uh, gold standard training centers at two locations. It's pretty awesome. But you have to have that marketing campaign. And if you can't afford a huge marketing campaign, social media, it works real well. Yeah. Word of mouth is usually the best. And this is... um, That used to be the case, but I don't think it is quite as much as it used to be. Well, with with Facebook now, if if somebody's following you and and they know you and they've bared you in mind, and if somebody they know is in the market for what you're you're offering, usually they'll say, oh, by the way, um, so-and-so is doing such-and-such. Yep. You know, that's what I mean by word of mouth. So we're 20 minutes into the podcast, and the subject that I was really looking forward to talking about, we haven't even brought up yet. But let's jump right into this. David, we're going to start with you. I don't know if you saw the news, the rumors, whatever. Possible collusion between Adobe and Microsoft. Yes, I did I did see the news. Uh, I must admit, when I first... When I first saw it, I think actually I did see it on Twitter and I kind of dismissed it as one of those. I, I thought it, I, I dismissed it initially as well, but the more I thought about it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I Look, um, Microsoft, I think, is, is really running scared at the moment, not because they're not making money, because they are, not because they haven't got successful products, because they do. Um, but nevertheless, I can't help feeling from things I read and some of the things they say and some of the things they do that they are desperately worried that they're on the cusp of losing it big time um, I think they, they were worried about Apple for a long time they're now it's even more worried about Google than they are about Apple and I think they're looking to make a series of strategic deals to try and shore up what they perceive is to be a weakness in their position now from a, Adobe's perspective um, I think Adobe also feel a little bit threatened. I think they they feel threatened that their relationship with Apple is not as good as it could have been. Um, I think they feel threatened by the rise of things such as HTML5 and, and the, the furore that's been going yeah. on around Flash. Um, they're really under pressure at the moment because their products have been shown to be particularly vulnerable to security holes in the last 12 months. In, That's in been a, a big problem in, for Adobe. You've seen a lot of yeah. exploits, and it's almost always Flash-based now. It's, well, it's either Flash or PDF. PDF yes. has also been Adobe. extremely vulnerable. Yeah, and yeah, that's Adobe. Another, another Adobe product. And, and similar to Flash, Adobe, is, Adobe PDF is one of these um, pseudo-standards st- pseudo that they like to promote as an open standard when, in fact, it's not terribly open. So, so I think they, they also feel they're under pressure. And I think with, with both of those companies feeling the same way, then perhaps I'm talking about strategic partnership makes sense. Whether it'll actually come, ever come to anything, who knows? What do I you mean, think, BJ? So- First of all, David, um, I have to agree entirely with everything you've said. Um, but if I could add to that, first of all, I don't really give a, I couldn't care less because nothing will come of it. This is, this is, uh, what was a stupid thing they tried earlier. This, uh, which, you know, yeah. went nowhere. This is ultimately, it's the blind leading the blind. David hit it absolutely categorically, categorically on the head. They, they are 
you know, Microsoft hasn't been in this situation before where they've got their back up against the wall. All of their key technologies and everything they were excelling at, now they, are, they find themselves the... It's a liability under, at this point. Yeah, the underdog. Google has steamrolled them. Yeah. Google, you know, their Bing thing is a nonsensical rubbish thing. It's, it's, it's stupid and useless. And I don't know anybody who uses it. I don't like it. There are some things about Bing that I do like, especially the Street View stuff that they're doing. Yeah. blows Adobe yeah. out of the water. It's really awesome. Yeah, but again, it's not enough. Or, no, too, Google. Too little, too little, too late is is the phrase that comes you to mind. You think so? You really think I, so? I, th- I think so. Social networking, Facebook has steamrolled them. They uh, did their did their fa- their their social network thing even go anywhere? I I signed up to it. Uh, doesn't see they seem to have lost that one. Yeah, but you and, know when you say that though, I'll point you. is a company. I'll say look at look at MySpace. How good are they doing now? Who who would have given Facebook a chance? Knowing where MySpace was at the time, so I don't think yeah. you can say too to, little, to, too late. No, to be honest with you, Tim, I think I think Facebook is 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 very different to MySpace, and I think, for example, it's an evolutionary yeah, step. Very much so. But yes, MySpace was aimed at it was aimed at a certain kind of people. Yeah, these music types and all this other sort. No, not at the beginning. It didn't. No, it, but that's it, how it, it went kids. very quickly. But now Facebook. Every man, woman, and child, pretty much, that has a computer has got a Facebook account. I've got elderly relatives that are using Facebook. I've got young relatives that are using Facebook. And Facebook has enabled me to, 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 to rekindle friendships from, from my youth that I'd never, never have thought I'd have met these people again. You know what, Fa- Facebook- I, just, just, I have to say this real quick, BJ, because it's just dawned on me. And someone else much smarter has probably said this in the past. With MySpace, you had complete openness. You could change the look of your page. You know, crazy background, music blaring, all that stuff. But with Facebook, it's very restrictive. These are the only things you can do. It is not open. You can't change stuff. And to, uh, to and I think it question. focuses you on what Facebook's strengths are, which is making connections and communicating with other people. To be honest with you, that's the thing that pissed me off the most about MySpace is I hated visiting these disgusting ugly, loud sites. Absolutely. I hated them. I hated them. I found them to be irksome and awful. Facebook is very, very, very... Uh, it's uniform. You know what it is. Instantly recognized. It's an... Doesn't matter who you are, the layout is the same. It's very easy. MySpace was awful. I mean, half the time you couldn't read what somebody had written because there was all these stupid GIF images going off in the background and then you got some idiot rave music. It was, it was awful. It was terrible. MySpace was... It was ludicrous and ridiculous. I didn't like it And Adobe um, is another one. Now, so the, the Microsoft is gone. The, the Adobe, I mean, the kind of press they're getting at the moment, I, you know, I think they need to... First of all, I, I think distancing themselves from Microsoft would probably be in their best interest. They need to go and find a proper PR agency. <laughs> <laughs> a but you Nolten can't always them. control the message. No, but at the moment they are really, re- you know, we were so earlier we were talking. I don't, rem- I don't know if you remember DC, but we were saying that I said that they seem to, you know, you know, people seem to think that they are that the only flash is the web standard. And DC turned around and said, "Well, it's it's um, Adobe that think that they're the web standard." Absolutely yeah. true. I mean, it's a useless thing. I hate Flash. It causes no end of problems. I mean, I've, I've, you know, I've always had the best computers. Even then, I've got the best computers, a massive amount of RAM, and the amount of trouble it causes my computers. I mean, when you've got it on a notebook or whatever, the battery life, it just goes down the pan. 
But that, so is, I think, yeah, the, the, the problem I have with Adobe is not so much um, the problems with their technology, even though those problems are, are very real. I think, you know, a lot of people do recognize there are some issues with Flash. Um, there are issues with PDF as well. Um, it's not so much that. It's the fact that the company itself is in very often in denial about those problems. It spends a lot of time and a lot of money talking about talking up its technology like it's absolutely perfect when it's anything but and i really wish with adobe that we'd spend a bit more time engineering those problems away can you just than, uh, replace well, well, a, the name adobe with microsoft and it would be exactly the same I, well it's I the think, blind leading the blind all I, th- over again. I think i think i think that is representative of certain parts of microsoft i think the, the xbox division is doing good i mean you, yeah, you see a lot of the innovation di- there yeah, that's the, because they've got proper people that uh, they know what they're yeah. doing in the Xbox division. But that, that's, that's Microsoft's big problem is they're very segmented, they're very compartmentalized, and it's very different. Then they end up infighting. They have different departments are fighting in with each other rather than fighting with their um, competitors in the market. I also think both Adobe and Microsoft illustrate some problems at the top in terms of their leadership. And what they really need to do is actually stop leading by committee and really get some visionaries at the top of both the companies and start defining some strategy rather than reacting to what's going on around them, which is what they both do all the time. If they were to come together, one were to acquire the other, it would presumably be Microsoft acquiring Adobe. That's not going to fix any of the problems we've talked about. The so, only thing that's going to fix those problems see, is a change of direction. So let me ask you both, you, you over s- under uh, Microsoft buys a, Adobe? Well, I don't think it's going to happen. And David, to answer you, uh, just to add to what you said, I think you're absolutely right with this Adobe and the way that their their culpability, with the the way that they're structured. And I believe that this whole thing is going to end in tears. Not T-E-A-R-S, but T-I-E-R-S, tears. It's all going to come crashing down. What do you think, David? Um, Yeah, who who knows? I mean, you were talking about about MySpace before, I mean, at one point they looked fairly unassailable and then look at where they are now. So it's, it's hard to see either. I mean, two, both of them have these huge entrenched markets. It's hard to see them withering away particularly quickly. But I think they do need to um, start leading from the front rather than reacting to what's going on around them if they really want to survive in the long term. Because, uh, you know, they're both... They both have certain vulnerabilities, and um, it's, it would be fairly easy for – they're both fairly diversified, so it, w- it would be difficult to see them either of them going down as a whole, but certainly large parts of their market could be eaten away by a, a savvy competitor. And I think that's and, already uh, happened. But, David, you, you're absolutely right. Until they acknowledge that they've got a pr- – I mean, in, in life, generally, for somebody to overcome a problem, they have to accept that there is a problem. And I think – I think they're firmly in a great big kind of bubble of denial, and until until they until they address that, I don't think they're going to go very far forward. I think they're just going to play the the um what is that card the uh, kind of uh, escapist card? You know, there's, don't look over here. It's not our fault. It's all great. There's nothing. It's all of you lot are imagining there is a problem when there really isn't. And my take on the situation is pretty simple. When you look at the core competencies of both companies. Uh, They both cornered a market. In Microsoft's case, it's the Office suite. In Adobe's case, it's the Creative suite. And they do complement each other in those regards. They do have a couple software um, cross-compatibility issues. They also have some that compete with each other, Silver Lining, Flash. However, moving forward, I, I can't see them together 
from a philosophical differences reason, but well, from a core competency, absolutely. Could you imagine uh, Office Creative Suite where you get all the Office products and you get all the Adobe products? Where does that put Tim. PDF? PDF immediately moves over to the Office Suite where yeah. it kind of belongs in the beginning. I mean, but what I, if they what if they improved since they took over Macromedia? They've improved nothing. It's just well, re- no, rebranded they, they, the same no, rubbish. No, they haven't. Photoshop has come a long way. If you go back and look what for, where Photoshop was at the time, I could say exactly the same thing with um, uh, Dreamweaver is a, such a better product uh, than what was out there. Well, that was go live, so that doesn't really count. Um, yeah. They have continued with Flash development. Remember, Flash was an acquired technology. Adobe didn't that, – that was Macromedia. Yeah. Uh, I don't think they've improved Flash, if anything. It's gotten worse. Well, here's the problem. They, they're stuck, and this is what you guys are alluding to. They're stuck in the old mindset of a keyboard, a mouse, and a monitor. They don't really grasp the concept of a touch-based interface yet, and I don't think – they're going to be able to for a long time. Microsoft, which is why they'll get, which is why they'll get on with Microsoft. It, well, no, Microsoft has embraced touch. They've made it's it's kind of like putting a band aid on in, right before you go into the water. But Microsoft has made Windows Seven touch compliant. It it works with, but it's yeah, still no, a windowing so, system, and it doesn't so, really work. Yeah, so certainly Windows Seven Mobile, I think, is is going to change. Windows 7 Mobile is, is meant to be pretty good. So look at the two well, core competencies of those companies, and I think that you could see a merger. You could see Microsoft bringing to Adobe uh, a more business-centric focus, and you could see Adobe bringing to Microsoft a more creative mindset. And that yeah, could so work for both companies. I, I, I wonder if they were to propose a, a merger, though, whether the competition authorities would... No, would, I think they would have 10 years ago or maybe even five years ago. But I don't think they would stop it now. No? No, why would what they? If, well, I, th- Just, uh, no, I think there's an antitrust issue there. Yeah. It's like Google I, and Apple joining. I, 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 just think, I just think it would be too big. They'd have too much of the software markets themselves. Um, I don't think... A shrinking um, software market. Oh, well, shrinking And that's maybe, where but, they, but they don't see the problem. That's where the real problem is. More and more people irrelevant. are moving to mobile computing... And neither Microsoft nor Adobe has any kind of a strong foothold in the mobile computing market. I, th- I think each of them have a, have a bigger problem in that um, they both make fairly expensive pieces of software. Yes. That, um, you know, if you look at the iPad, I can get something that replicates most of the functions of Office and most of the functions of large parts of Adobe Creative Suite. Um, I can buy a suite of software that do that for about 40 quid. Yep. Um, whereas a, crea- a combination of Office and Creative Suite on a PC, you're looking Thousands. at probably a thousand pounds. So mm, more than that. that's a, that's a bigger issue more for them, I think. I don't know, David. I, you're absolutely right. Yeah, I, I don't know if if it'll happen or not. I think Apple buying Adobe would make a lot more sense personally, um, but I don't see that happening anytime soon either. No, I, th- I think uh, Apple. Will, I think Apple will use their own innovations to to do what they. What Adobe would have brought to the table, and and as for Adobe and Microsoft uh, joining forces or having a merger, I think it'd just be a clash of 
two really mismanaged companies. I think it would just be a complete and utter disaster. And we say all that, but yet both companies are extremely profitable right now. But it's diminishing returns at this point, isn't it? They, they, they were extremely profitable. They always have been. But if you look at if you look at it, their performance now is not is is is, a, is like a is 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 a not as great as they were. Right. So you have diminishing returns. Yeah, you do over so, time. Is so Microsoft and is time. how long can they remain that way? Is uh, well, there's I mean, the, I don't there's think the next question going anywhere. But they're not. Um, I don't think they. I, I think they're on a downward spiral. Okay, so let's assume that there's pretty smart people that work at both companies that are smarter than all of us put together, and that's not too hard to uh, assume when it comes to myself because you know. Well, but, I don't have any brain cells. <laughs> so, looking ten years from now, how relevant is Microsoft and Adobe separately? Ten years from now, David. Um, I can still see them. I can see them being in in the same sort of position. I think ten years is long enough for them to hold out kind of where they are. Um, I think we're, what we're in a transitional period at the moment. We've got a new um, kind of set of devices coming to market. It's a new paradigm. Yeah, and and what neither neither of them has really done yet, uh, and I don't think any big software company has really kind of. It's with maybe the possibility of electronic arts has really kind of jumped really hard into that platform yet and said, you know what, we're going to dominate here. I would, um, I would argue that Gameloft would, would hold up their hands. Well, well perhaps, me. yeah. But, but the, at the end of the day, the games companies are, you know, they're, they're a big niche, but it is a niche. They're not a generalist computing uh, software. They're not generalist computing software companies. I yeah, think, but you can't ignore the money. You can't ignore no, the oh, presence. No, I'm not, I'm, and I'm certainly not. I'm certainly not um, writing down their achievements or saying that they're irrelevant by any stretch of the imagination. But I think ultimately, some big productivity companies need to come onto these platforms to really make a difference. You think it's only a matter of time, and do you think that it could be Microsoft or Adobe? Microsoft could bring Office to the iOS devices, the I've Android heard, devices. I've heard rumors that um, Microsoft has a team working on a version of Office for the iPad. So what's, a, um, what's Adobe going to do? Well, you know what? I don't see Adobe doing it. I really don't. Um, I think they are so wedded to their... I think in some ways they're probably more blinkered even than... Um, than um, Microsoft. Than Microsoft are. Yeah. And, uh, and I really don't see them doing that. I suspect there'll be an awful lot of engineering snobs within their uh, within their organisation who will say, you know, these things are toys. They're not. Um, what are you doing, BJ? Stop making all that noise, yeah. Uh, sorry, there's, there's a, it's somebody somebody cleaning. It's cleaning not me. Uh, see, I'm blaming I'm blaming uh, BJ. You, I feel horrible now. I know it's awful. It's all your <laughs> fault, David. It's you again. It's a, the the, uh, the gentleman has gone now, but he was just emptying the bin. Um, yeah, so the, so I think I don't I don't see Adobe actually actually going that way. I think they will probably focus more on cloud type services rather than going onto platforms because I think they will continue to try and shore up Flash by by having that strategy. Microsoft, I can see them I can see them doing that. Um, it all then depends on their execution how well they how well they do it. So we go back to the question I asked then ten years from now, and assuming that there are very smart people at both companies. Does it make sense for them to so, merge? So, so yeah. So, so let me. Um, does it make sense for them to merge? I don't believe they will. It might ma- actually make sense for them to do it, but I don't think they'll actually do a deal. 
Um, and I think if they if they were to do a deal, then uh, Adobe would kind of ultimately disappear. Yeah. Um, and uh, I agree. Be lost in the mix. If you, know, I mean, a lot. There's an awful lot of products that Microsoft sell now that that were formerly separate, um, and who, nobody remembers really who they were. So um, I think that was that would be what would happen. Um, I suspect what will actually happen is that Microsoft will ultimately get into these new platforms, whether it's their own platform or they'll come up with something compa- I don't think. I don't think a tablet, uh, uh, an iPad-style device running Windows 7 is relevant at all. Um, no, I totally I think, agree with you. What do you think, yeah, BJ? I, uh, uh, Windows 7 on a tablet. I think. I, on the what? On a tablet, on an iPad-like device. I don't think they would. I mean, I mean, they've tried it before. and they, Do you know Microsoft just, just wreck all these kinds of things they get involved with? I mean, their tablet was awful. I mean, you know, they always... They always try and get involved in these markets, but as as a, as a company and products that are really really good to use, you know, Apple makes some really cool stuff. Microsoft just doesn't get it. And as for as for them joining with Adobe, first of all, I don't think it's it's going to happen. I think it's going to be a logistical nightmare. And if they did join, I think what would happen is, as David said, Adobe would disappear. It would just become another department, like the Xbox department within within their place in Redmond. Yes, but the oh, Xbox is very profitable, and they yeah, have no, a lot of what, attention, no, and they're that's innovating. What I mean. Do you know, you, you know, in, within Microsoft, there, it's everything is um, departments, Xbox yeah. department, that department. I think Adobe would just become the a department, know, flash yeah. in a pan yeah. department. <laughs> I don't know, I, whatever. I, I I can see Microsoft <laughs> still being here in ten years' time, and Adobe won't be. They'll have, will have been acquired by somebody else, but I don't think it'll be Microsoft, and it certainly won't be Apple. I think Apple will probably pick them up if they were cheap enough. If they were well, really, so they if they were really, if they were really, really struggling, then Apple would probably swoop in and take them over. Because ultimately, yeah, I think Apple does recognise the benefit that the Creator Suite brings to their hardware platform. And um, you know, contrary to popular opinion, Apple is all about selling hardware. That is yeah. their that is their prime strategy. So if they Red see a way, of, yeah, if they see a way of bringing uh, bringing in a software product to their f- to the fold. I mean, that, look what they did with Final Cut. Final Cut wasn't their product. They they purchased that and they Absolutely. developed it, and now it has sold Apple into the movie business. So I think they very much recognise the benefits of doing that. But I think they they're very canny about doing it. I don't think they would do it today. They might do it in five years' time if Adobe's really really struggling. Uh, and and I think Adobe have really got themselves into backed into a corner at the moment. If you look at the Creative Suite, they're kind of constantly refining it now. But it, particularly with the last version, it had some great features but it's getting harder and harder i think for creative professionals to justify that huge cost for an upgrade every time it comes out um and um unless unless they do something different with the product line i can see it starting to wither and die just because their customers will say you know what the previous version does everything i need i don't need to spend fifteen hundred dollars two thousand dollars on buying it again every 18 months i I agree I, I, i think apple i think adobe would be um it would it would be uh, something that Apple would be interested in just for a patent portfolio point of view. Yeah, but I, I think what will actually happen is is if Adobe does start to struggle before Apple sort of gets to that point, uh, somebody else, somebody out of the left field, you you've, you would never associate will come in and buy them. Cisco, you know, just yeah, it's something like that. You yeah. just in the same way that you know when when um, Macromedia, uh, Google, when, when when Corel bought Novell or you know one of those sort of deals where everyone kind of went. Her, what what 
that doesn't make it was Novel bought Corel, didn't it? And everyone went, what does that doesn't make any sense? Yep. <laughs> you know, it'll be something like that. You know, it'll be Red Hat or something like that by uh, Adobe. Hmm. Uh, and to be honest with you, I, I mean, I, I couldn't, I, uh, you know, I, 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 I don't think anything will come of this. Uh, it's going to be like, uh, as I said, like Microsoft Yahoo all over again. They, they'll spend 18 months going through all of it and going through the motions and paying accountants no end of money to look at the figures and all this kind of stuff. And at the end of it, it'll, they'll just say, oh, it's not worth it, forget it. <laughs> you know, I think that's what's going to happen. Hey, David, what do you think about AOL buying TechCrunch? Uh, nah. Yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah. I, I, am, I, I, I really have a big problem with TechCrunch. Uh, I really try and avoid it now. Sensationalized, I find, but yet there, yeah, there is some good content. There is, but the problem is it's, it's, I find it too much effort and too annoying to sort the wheat from the chaff. Is it, is it just um, Mike Errington or is it the site I, I itself? Think, I think it's part of that, but I think in the same way that, that the guy who runs Gorko has, has kind of imposed his particular um, – Sensibilities, yes. Brand of new media douchebaggery onto the onto the other people who work there. I think Michael Arrington has done the same thing, um, and there's an awful lot of self promotion and self aggrandizement that I, f- I just find irrelevant, really. So uh, you know, I'm I'm sure it's a. I think from uh, both sides, it's a good deal for each of them. For AOL, it brings their audience to the AOL media group, and for TechCrunch, obviously it. it you know, it gives Arrington and his crew uh, a nice chunk of cash, um, but I, I don't think it, it. I don't think it amounts to any great seismic shift in the blogosphere at all. You know, AOL is one of the biggest companies online selling ads, right? Yeah, wasn't AOL the biggest online company at one time? Oh yeah, by far. Back when the That's name it. was AOL Wait, because you try to dial one of those stupid numbers, you can never get online. Um, here's my question. Or my comment, maybe. And feel free to comment on it afterwards. AOL is one of the biggest sellers of ads. And what they're doing with any money that they seem to be generating is to buy content creators. Uh, Weblogs, Inc., uh, TechCrunch. They own a bunch of other stuff. And Weblogs, Inc., by the way, owns like uh, Gadget. Yeah. They, they own the unofficial Apple Weblog, Joystick. And yet... They're also a big advertising company. At what point does somebody have to say, hey, wait a minute, that's kind of a conflict. When you're representing these companies that you want to sell their products for because they're paying your bills, but you're also providing the content. And supposedly impartial opinions for product review on a lot of these sites. Well, I think, I think, I mean, it's always been so. Newspapers have always advertised. You have to have a very good Chinese wall between the editorial and the creative department and the advertising department. Um, as long as that is in place, then no problem. I, to be honest with you, with some of these, some of the more shady weblogs um, going around, I think going to a big company and having some proper editorial process applied is, is no bad thing. Cause I think, um, you know, there have been instances in the past where certain blogs, not any of the ones we've talked about here, but certain blogs have been found to um, have been allowing their their writers to get a little bit too cosy with the uh, with the promotional people of some of the stuff they write for. Yep. But um, 
obviously, you know, one day there could be a. I mean, a I'm, creati- in the, I'm in the same boat. Be, yeah, there could be a creative editor at, at AOL who turns around and says, "You know what? That's all fine. That's the business." Yeah. Uh, and um, you know, one of the one of the good things about the blog industry is that because it is so competitive. I would imagine if it became generally known that that's what people were doing, then other people would start exposing it. Because, you know, I'm in the same boat as I'm a content provider, but I'm also a content producer in that I own my Mac. We do product reviews. We could sell ads to these same companies that that were reviewing their products, and there has to be questions asked. You have to ask sites like that. Hey, wait a minute. You're selling this ad, and yet... You're also reviewing it. How does that work? In I, our I case, think, I've always yeah. kept a clear, huge 50-foot brick wall between sales, advertising sales, and editorial. Always. And I think you've also, you, you need, it's something you need to constantly look at. Oh, it, ha- it has to be of. there. It has to be, and, yes. and I think your creative people have to be constantly aware of it, too. And I think, you know, certainly having written for my Mac, we always were very very aware of it i have to say some of the some of the content i do see online i have to i have to wonder when i see um and i'm going to use this as an example and i'm not suggesting that there is anything inappropriate going on because i have no evidence of that but i have asked myself the question revision three has a um has a video games movie and tv review show called the totally rad show right and they frequently have sponsors who are um, uh, basically, the sponsor is a new video game release or a new movie release. Now, when I hear them doing an ad about Halo Reach or something like that or, or another game, and then I know that they're going to review the game or, or perhaps the ad in itself, the way they, the way they actually present the ad is they, they're playing the game as part of the ad in the way they would normally review the game. To me, I start to feel a, bit, a little bit uncomfortable with that because... Anytime when I think from the audience's point of view, you can get confusion between what is advertising and what is content, then that is a problem. And I, I believe that, you know, and, and we, you know, BJ and I have both grown up in the UK where the, the rules about what you, what, what, how you present advertising are perhaps a little bit more formalized than they are in the States. Yeah, very much. And, you know, we don't, we've never had... We've never had the inline radio ads, you know, where where a host will start talking about a product. Those have never been allowed over here. I mean, I mean, only recently they had Cadbury's take their advert down, didn't they, for half a pound and a glass and a half or whatever, because there was some discrepancy. They're very, very strict. What is I, it called? Yeah. The, what is it called over here, David? The broadcasting, the, the, the advertising uh, standards agency. The, yeah, the advertising standards which, agency, you know, and 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 they have a lot of power. But I don't think the ASA, you see, administrates um, has any has any power over online content. And, no, it uh, doesn't. No, you know that 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 is a real problem. I, and, and I think some people do sail close to the wind. I hope that going to AOL means that they will actually be more formally scrutinised about that sort of thing than not. But, but do we want government to be stepping in saying what's good advertising, what's bad advertising? Yes, you can say this in your editorial, but you can't say this. Do we really uh, no, want they, governments they, in there? They, 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 well, they're, they're not a government department, the ASA, and also they they respond to user complaints. So anybody can complain to them, and then they investigate, and then they issue a ruling. And if they think that somebody has has breached editorial guidelines, then they they are they they're empowered to make them apologise. They're not um they're they're not, they're not really much more than that. But um, and I'm not suggesting that that's necessarily the way to go. I'm just saying that there's an example of one way of doing it. There's one example, and that's how it's being done there. 
Yeah, and, and, and certainly online, I think it's self-policing in that, as I say, if anybody's doing something particularly shady, then the, their, one of their competitors will delight in outing them for it. I mean, so, talking about like a conflict of interest, we often get that with people like, um, what is this, Walt Mossberg and this Pogue character, you know, they, you know, I, I, I think if, if they want to get a fair review on a product or whatever, they should give it to somebody who doesn't like the product. Well, but then you well, got reverse okay. bias. Yeah, you, you, then you, you can't win, can you? No, you, you get it. Yeah. And also, the reason you know, the reason that Mossberg and Pogue are no particular examples, the reason they get preferential access to Apple products is because that Apple trusts them not to um, disclose before Apple authorizes disclosure. I mean, that's well, actually what it comes down to. Well, is it? they, they, they have an embargo, trust. don't they? But they the, yeah, they're embargo and. and Apple, Apple only works with, with people uh, who it trusts on embargo, and there's no. a very small, comp- small group of people. Yes, but that's people not... People who aren't going to leave not, iPhones in uh, Starbucks. Right, but that's not why they, they get preferential treatment, David. It just isn't. It has nothing to do no, with no, that. I think, I think Mo- Walt Mossberg and David Pogo are Apple shills. No, I don't. I think what happens is because they tend to like most of the Apple products they review which shouldn't be a surprise because it just happens to be the same products I like and the same products that you guys usually like uh, because they're good products. I think they get preferential treatment because most people trust them. And yeah, Apple it, has it, confidence. It, Apple has the confidence in their product. Yes, man. Well, show me some examples. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I wouldn't. I wouldn't agree with that. I would say that um, certainly, I'm not as familiar with Walt Mossberg's work as, as perhaps you are, Tim. But certainly, David Pogue and Andy Narko at the Sun Times, I, I would suggest, uh, have never been shy about actually pointing out failings in Absolutely. Apple products or anything else there. And, I, and I I've seen Moss Rog, Moss Wasberg do exactly <laughs> the same thing. Yeah. Of course, now when I think of Moss Wasberg, like how I keep changing it. You're thinking um, of the puppet. You're confusing I, I, me, Tim. I know. I think of the puppet because the puppet yeah. is brilliant. And that's the, oh, that's the, the Moss Wasberg. You're talking about that, the Saturday Night Live one. No, 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 no. There's a puppet online. Do oh, a, on YouTube one. Yes. Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, it's quite it's, cool. It's one of the funniest things I've ever seen. I just love it. I, I think Apple gives Walt and David privileges that they don't with a lot of other journalists is because so many people read it and trust what they're saying because over time, they've built up that reputation. You don't get that reputation handed to you just because Apple no, gives absolutely. you products. They've been doing this for a very long time, and I think their opinions are trusted by the majority of the people reading their content. That's why they get the preferential treatment, David. Not because so, they keep their mouth shut yeah. until you know, well, that, they're but, allowed but I to. Think that, I think that's part of it as well. That one of the reasons they get that level of trust is because they're very scrupulous about how they – how they do their work, and that includes meeting embargoes and that sort of thing. When you know, we all know that an awful lot of bloggers cut, will just cannot keep their mouths shut about anything they know about ahead of time. Um, and also, as well, you know, people like Michael Arrington think because they have a big audience that that makes them important and makes them listened to and deserving of preferential treatment. I mean, who's guys- Arrington? Isn't he the idiot at Huffington Post? No, no, that's uh, that's. Ariana Huffington, <laughs> Michael Arrington is is the is the guy who owns TechCrunch, who formerly owned TechCrunch. Oh, that guy's a blowhard, yeah. isn't? Yeah, he well, his own voice. so 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 says the three guys recording a podcast right now. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But yeah, but there's, there's a difference between being genius and charlatan, Tim. Um, 
I'm talking about you, by the way. Yeah, oh, I, I, and I'm trying to decide which one I am, and I don't think it's genius. genius. I don't think it's you know, genius. You're, you're definitely not a charlatan. <laughs> so that's the nice thing about tech fan. We start one place and we end up in a totally different place. The only thing that I knew for a fact we were going to talk about was these rumors about Adobe and Microsoft. And guys, we filled up pretty much an hour. Cool. And see, Excellent. and now you're getting a I phone call, which I... means that's the end of the show, I guess, huh? Yeah. <laughs> So I want, to, I want to give out a couple shout-outs. Make sure you guys – I'm going to play at the end here. I'm going to pay, play a promo piece for uh, the MyMac podcast that Guy and Gaz are doing every single week. Love it. In fact, as we record this, I just popped up a new uh, MyMac podcast on iTunes, so I can't wait to listen to that. We're going to play that promo. Another show that we produce here at MyMac is – App Minute, that's done by Sam Levin uh, for the most part, maybe other people eventually, but right now it's pretty much Sam Levin. You guys want to find out the coolest, fun little things you could do with your iApps or iOS or Android? He's covering both of them now. That's the podcast to listen to. Usually they run like two minutes, three minutes tops. He's had a couple longer ones, but for the most part, just smaller little clip audio so you can get in, get out, move on your day. It's perfect if you're just you know walking to the mailbox. Uh, David and Tim, uh, if, if, if any of you want to follow me on Twitter, feel free to. Uh, my Twitter handle is B-E-E-J-A-Y-B-H-A-T-T. I know Tim follows me. I don't think David does. David. Uh, I know. Right. David. You know I've, I've, been, I've been a bit lax on Twitter of late, I've got to admit. I, like I What's said it? earlier, I have been too. But, you know, that's just the nature of things. It is, yeah. You know, real life, you, real life takes over from social media sometimes. It does. You know, here's the thing: I, I tend to check it a few times a day. I just don't tend to post anything. I don't yeah. like posting just to po- post. I don't care how many oh, tweets it says that I put up there. I want to put not necessarily quality content, but if I have something to say, that's when I'll post it. If, and this is really true. So Jerry Seinfeld used it as a, as a joke. Women, do you want to know what men? are thinking about when you ask us what are you thinking about nothing (laughs) it's very true nothing i you know yeah i'm checking twitter and they say you gonna post anything no no well post what you're thinking what are you thinking about nothing nothing yeah nothing about anything (laughs) so that's that's kind of why i haven't you know a lot of my uh brain muscle if you will is going towards this new job and I, i I just have nothing to post, you know. So, Tim, Tim, what what is the n- name of the Facebook page that we should all be signing up to? Well, if you want to follow me personally, it's facebook.com slash mymac. And if you want to follow the company that I'm working for, it's Mac Specialist. And I believe it's two words. But if you just look for Mac Specialist, you'll, you'll find it there. And uh, on Twitter, of course, it's at mymac. And uh, where are you, David? I'm uh, at David B. Cohen on Twitter, and um, I don't believe in Facebook. There you go. It, 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 he thinks it's – well, I don't want to go there because I don't know who's listening. Um, <laughs> <laughs> on, fa- on Facebook, I'm DJ I, I think Mark Zuckerberg is a very, very naughty boy. Uh, I think that anybody that gets to his level of success is, is uh, naughty one way or another, usually. Yeah. Next week, if all goes well, I'm going to record it a couple days earlier than I'm used to, but that's the nice thing about podcasting, especially a show that I own. I can pretty much do it whenever I want. I'm going to have David Biedney on, and uh, he's, he's a good guy. He's been on OWC Radio. He's been on MyMac. Um, I think you were gone when we we sat down and had a, a breakfast with him, weren't you, 
No, I was there. Were you there this year? Yeah. Okay. So you know David. I do, yeah. Uh, We're looking at... guy. I I like David a lot. He's a little bit of a... Yeah, he's he's very, very interesting. Let me... uh, And I'll do it on the air because, you know, I don't care. It's supposed to be... Oh, I hate when I... I just launched my email and I'm trying to go to one, but new mails are coming in, so it's pushing it down. So I come back here... Uh, da, 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 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. No, that's not right. I'm looking. 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, Wednesday. So if you want to be on the show, David, that's when we're going to be doing it. Uh, unfortunately, I'm in Copenhagen next week till Thursday uh, for a trade show. So That'll be fun. Uh, we'll, have, we'll, we'll have to see what the Internet's like where I am. Well, you know, let us know. Uh, in the meantime, we're going to wrap up the show. If you want to get a hold of us here... You can send an email to tim at mymac.com, or better yet, send a message uh, via your telephone, so it'll be your voice. Call 1-8-1, I'm sorry, let me start that over, 1-801-938-5559, and I'll see it, and I'll play it right here on the show, and I was real excited because I saw a couple pop up, and it was message spam on Skype. I swear to God, I've never heard that had that before. I was all excited. I had one that was like three minutes long, and I was like, ooh, this is going to be a great comment, three minutes. And I listened to it. And it, here's the thing. It was personalized to me, which was really kind of scary. Yeah. And it was like, hi, Tim. My name's Mary. I wanted to talk to you about your Cialis. Or, uh, oh, uh, my God. Cial- is it Cialis, Sierra? Cialis. Cialis. Cialis, thank you. Yeah. Cialis needs. Psoriasis. Psoriasis. That I can handle a little bit. Sierra, yeah. Cialis is like Viagra, isn't it? Yes, yes. Yeah. Oh, have you got those kind of problems, Tim? No. Well, you know, <laughs> not, not, not when I'm it's talking. Not, your, not, not, your she does. Not, not when you're around, BJ. That's all I'll say. <laughs> hey, yo. Is that a country? So with that, uh, yeah, we're, we're going to wrap up the show now. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, guys, um, everyone that's listening, I hope you all have a, have a good weekend and BJ. Uh, get drunk. Really appreciate you coming on. Um, Thanks for having me, Tim. Thanks, know, David. Lo- Longtime friend of the of the shows that we're doing here, and, and means donate, a lot to me. Don't forget, donate. We don't do that anymore. Well, I think I was the only one that donated, wasn't I? Pretty, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> of course, I never really pushed it either. I always felt funny about it. Yeah, I don't know. I, it. I you know, I listened to a, a couple different schools of thought on that. Um, I don't know. It goes both ways for me, so I, I I just hold off on asking for donations or anything like that. I mean, if we were in desperate straits that you know the shows are going to go off the air without some people kicking in some money and and helping to pay the bills, then I'd probably do it. But that's not the case right now, so I don't worry about it too much. David Cohen just cuts that big fat check every now and then. We're good. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> anyway, so guys, uh, David, thanks for being with us. Uh, BJ, appreciate you coming on, and we'll see you. Guys Always next. my pleasure. We'll see everyone next week. Take care, bye. Greetings, it's Guy. And Gaz, the G-Men from the MyMac.com podcast. Our podcast has been going strong since 2004, talking about all things Mac and Apple. With great guests and listener invites, so there's never a dull moment. The MyMac.com podcast, irrelevantly relevant. Find us on iTunes, just do a search in the podcast section with MyMac. Subscribe and prepare to be entertained.